Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day, immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision, to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites, as well as internationally in Timor-Leste. We use the Timor Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. I'd love to introduce you all to Beth. Um, Beth is a relationships expert, um, highly qualified, highly trained, and how long have you been doing it for? Oh, um, 35 years. But just, that, just that, 35 that's years. in my relationship. <laughs> you get, yeah. But, but look, 20 years in personal development wow. and, um, you know, less of that time in relationship stuff. But anyway, I'll go there. There you so, go. Yeah. Um, Bess here to share her thoughts on relationships and uh, attachment as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, some, some people here may have already attended the, is it two-day? One-day. One-day full program, mm. seminar with Beth. And mm. uh, obviously, boom, open your eyes, open your ears. Uh, the snapshot that Beth is going to give us as well is highly valuable. I expect to see people nodding going, hmm, yeah, that's me, 100%. <laughs> but without any further ado, I'll hand you over to this lovely lady um, and her wise words. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me again. And yeah, um, I recognise quite a few faces. Not so great on the names, but I I, I tend to remember things about people's lives very well. So (laughs) you might want to watch what you tell me. (laughs) Um, So because a lot of you have already heard this, um, you know, I I must say for myself, it takes a number of times. You hear something once and it's interesting and then you hear it and a number of times it starts to settle down into you and you start to drop down into the deeper levels. So if you're sitting here thinking, I've already been he- heard this, and a c- couple of few of you actually were at the one-day workshop, so you heard it in lots more depth. And in that workshop, we covered a lot more. This is a brush stroke, so in that workshop, we looked at a lot of corrective strategies so that you could actually do something with this information. And today, I'll... Um, I'm not just going to be talking the whole time because that would be exhausting and boring for everybody, but um, I'll, I'll do some talking and then I'll be giving you all some exercises to do with each other, just real quick, short things. And these are also strategies too um, that you can take away with you. Um, so... Um, All of us are in relationship all through our lives. We're in relationship with ourselves, we're in relationship with others. And, you know, um, and for something that we're always in, it seems to be an area we know the least about. And um, that's a bit of a shame. And so, you know, because of that, 
I mean, who would agree that it's actually really hard going at times and often being in relationship? Yeah, whether that's intimate, whether that's in friendships, whether that's with work colleagues. So when I, I'm, this stuff that we're talking about today applies across the board. And I may pitch it, probably I will pitch it more to intimate relationship, but you know, if you're not in one, you've been in one. And, or you're in, you've got friendships. So you can apply this stuff across the board. And that's what I like about attachment styles. And most stuff I do around relationships, I, I like to make it cross-contextual so that you can apply it in different areas of your life because, you know, relationships, relationship, really. But, you know, as I've struggled, I've been in a relationship for 35 years and we have had fantastic, amazing times and absolutely abysmal times where we've both wondered why are we here but we were kind of stuck at times so anyway we limped through and um, but I also noticed how other people seem to have a much easier run of it and I didn't I thought well what, what are we doing here what are we doing wrong we love each other we got all this going on but we we just we just keep knocking up against each other um, so, but before we go any further, I'm going to do a grounding breath work. We're all going to do a grounding breath work because when we talk about relationship stuff, it can be quite activating. This stuff is really activating for most people. And so we're going to do, start with this. We've all been chatting and you've all been doing stuff all morning. So now we're going to arrive with, through a grounding exercise. And when, as we do this, hopefully you might experience yourself feeling more present, more grounded, and <coughs> just more, he yeah, more here. And I just want you to know that, that those feelings, and more calm would be great, but those feelings that you will experience, hopefully, through doing this, um, are actually feelings that a securely attached person would um, often feel. And I'm going to be telling you about what secure attachment is as we go. So, if you just want to, you know, wriggle around in your seat, just get comfortable, have your two feet flat on the floor. And it's up to you, you can either uh, keep your eyes open or closed. I prefer my eyes closed when I do things like this, just to block out other distractions. And just start to notice your breath. You might notice it coming in through your nostrils. You might notice how far down it goes. Just, just be the observer. Maybe it just arrives in the top of your chest. That's often how people breathe. So just take a moment to experiment without overdoing it. Just breathing, taking the breath deeper down. See if you can, or at least have the intention to take it down into your belly.
just using your out breath to sort of feel yourself dropping down more into your body. As you allow your body to keep breathing you, just take your attention to your bum on the seat, the support of the chair around you. Allow yourself to feel the parts of your back that are supported by the chair, the parts of your your bum and parts of your thighs that are supported by the chair. And just allow yourself to breathe in that sensation of support. Just feeling your feet on the floor, your feet su supporting your body, and your feet supported by the floor underneath you. And it's a good feeling. It's something we don't think about, something we take for granted. We support it in so many ways that we never acknowledge. So just taking one nice last deep breath in and you could just sigh it out and then gently opening your eyes, coming back. <clears throat> and turn to the person next to you, to your uh, whichever way it goes, you, you decide, and just say, I know you all know each other, but hi, I'm Beth, and it's good to feel grounded. <laughs> it's good to feel grounded. <laughs> Generally, for people, it's good to feel grounded. Some people actually can struggle with this because, you know, you, you sort of get into this pattern of being sort of out of your body a little bit, so it can actually feel difficult. So if you did experience that, simply just notice that and go, oh, wow, you know, um, my mind got busy and distracted me away and, oh, what are we supposed to be doing? It's, it's just simply noticing things like that. You can always come back to the breath. You can always come back to feeling your body on the seat. And as we do this, that's what I want you to do. If you feel activated at all, and or your mind zipping off to all sorts of scenarios, just breathe yourself back into your seat. Lean back into it, yeah? Um, take a breath. 
So, you know, the quality of all of our lives is really dependent on the quality of our relationships. It doesn't matter how well you do in your career, in your business, um, in other things, accumulating stuff. If your relationships aren't quality, you're going to suffer. It doesn't matter how big your smile is and how many Facebook posts you got of your fabulous life. <laughs> and, you know, one of... Um, so, relationship is where it's all at. And one of the most powerful um, things that affect our relationship is our attachment styles. And we've all got one. We all, we have to have one because when we're born, we're helpless and hopeless. So, you know, we can't do anything for ourselves. So, we need to attach into someone. And um, parents, grandparents, caregivers, whoever's there that's going to look after us and bring us up doesn't matter where you're born, what culture you're in, we've all got this going on. So this is universal, this is global. Um, and you either, if you're lucky, you get to develop a secure attachment system, and I'll explain what that is. Um, if you're not so lucky, then you're going to develop an insecure attachment style. But it's not so bad, actually, all of those, all the insecure attachment styles actually have positive qualities too. Um, but ideally, we would want to be um, inhabiting secure attachment style. You, life is easier with a secure attached system. Um, so, you know, in the times that we're living now, really, um, there's so many more expectations of us all in terms of having relationship. And, you know, you've almost got, you know, have a black belt in relationship. But nobody, um, nobody knows really anything about it. As I said before, you know, if you... All of you have got skills and you would have gone somewhere to learn those. And you would have been encouraged to do that. But not for relationships. Nothing, nothing happens. You're just supposed to... It's supposed to work somehow. But so, you know, for me when I discovered about attachment styles and I learned that 90% of what happens in your relationship, 90% of the issues you're going to have is based on your attachment style, I thought this is really worthwhile knowing. And, and worthwhile sharing. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good start in terms of relational upskilling. This is not the only way. I mean, it's good to know about this, but you need to know what to do with it. So, um, but creating really good relationships can be very difficult if you don't have a, secure atta a securely attached system. That really adds another level of challenge. And <laughs> as if it wasn't tricky enough. Um, <clears throat> so, for example, um, if I have an anxiously attached system, then I'm more inclined to have this hyper-need for stability and security. And uh, the need is so great that I'll forego um, other needs and other core human needs like adventure and risk-taking and um, fun and adventures. I'll forego that to stay focused on um, stability. And that, that's actually, that's not a good thing because if you have too much stability and you're always focused on that, you're gonna get really bored and boredom can lead to depression, so that's not great. But also, boredom can lead to troublemaking. So, because we have this innate need in all of us to um, uh, have adventure and to have 
the unexpected and uncertainty in our life. So if I'm not creating it in positive ways, I'm going to create it in negative ways. And that's generally through drama. Works every time, guaranteed. I can attest to that. So on the other hand, if you're a little bit more avoidant, you might be very much focused on lots of adventure, doing your own thing, lots of uncertainty, and, and perhaps not enough on security and stability within a relationship. So, you know, we want to have a little bit of both. And um, so, one of the reasons also it's great to learn about attachment styles is because it starts to give you, and I, I think that perhaps anyone who's heard this stuff before would agree that when you start understanding about the different attachment styles, you have more compassion for other people, more understanding. You go, oh my gosh, that's why. That's why. She's not just a pain in the ass. <laughs> or he's not just, you know, overly needy and suffocating. So we're going to um, have a very light look at the four attachment styles. I'm hoping I might um, leave, um, have enough time, we'll see how we go, to go a little bit more into the relationship side of stuff with particularly the avoidant and the anxious style because they are, hands down, always going to be attracted to each other and then you go nuts in it. But <laughs> there's reasons where that those two are attracted together. So we'll see how we go. The thing that, um, before I describe each of them, I just want you to know that um, at your attachment style, it's not fixed. It, you can change it. It's not necessarily easy. It's not a walk in the park because it takes a lot of consciousness. But so any change that you're doing, anything new that you're learning, it takes consciousness and you're initially, you know, um, incompetent <laughs> at, at, you know, when you have conscious awareness of something you, and you want to uh, do it differently, you're fairly incompetent. But, you know, with practice, you get better and better. So, um, um, and also, your attachment style is situational. So you might have a secure, a secure attached system when you're in your workplace. You know who you are, you feel confident, you are um, aware of other people and their needs, and you're happy to... Um, uh, sort of work with the team and things like that, but then uh, enter into an intimate relationship and all gets blown out of the water. And you can become this needy creature that you cringe at yourself or really avoidant and someone's saying, what is wrong with you? You're never available, you know. But at work, everyone says, you're fantastic. So, um, and also, you, um, the other thing that can happen in terms of situational is if you're, um, um, say, I've got a secure attached system, I could enter a relationship with someone who's very extreme on the avoidant because the insecure types are on a continuum. So I can be mildly avoidant or I can be extremely avoidant and anything in between. So I could go into a relationship as a securely attached person, have an extremely avoidant partner, and then just um, end up becoming anxious. Yeah. So um, situational, that's the thing. This is not set in concrete. None of this is. Um, so yeah, we can heal, we can change it, we can be brought into secure attachment. Um, 
And that's my job when I work with people, really. Yeah, I might not use those terms, but my, my t job, really, with working with people or with couples is to bring them into a space of secure attachment where you're really comfortable in your skin and you know, you know that it's, uh, I've got needs, you've got needs, I'm happy to meet them and I'm happy for you to meet mine, I'm happy to ask for things. So the four types are secure, that says it all, that's what we want, and the three insecure, uh, anxious, avoidant, and disorganised. There we go. <laughs> so the, the um, a secure attachment, that accounts for apparently 50% of the population. Now I don't know when those statistics were taken, um, and of course I don't tend to see those sort of people generally, so it's a little hard for me to believe that figure. But I also think it's probably changing, and not necessarily for the better, because as people are more and more on their um, devices, you know, that is going to create more and more avoidant attachment or, in, or, or anxious attachment. So, um, and with the past couple of years that we've had, or more than that now, um, that also uh, would have affected people's attachment styles for sure you know, because people were more isolated. Um, avoidance, a lot of avoidance would have enjoyed that for a time, actually. This is great. This is awesome. Um, so with the secure, you would have had a childhood where the parent, your parents are, uh, were sensitive to your needs. You would have felt safe and protected. You would have, your um, parents were um, present and supportive. Um, they taught you the difference between, um, or the dance, I should say, the dance between the need for uh, stability and security and the need for um, excitement and adventure, because they're the two core human needs. So somebody would have taught you that, you know, age-appropriate autonomy would have been given to you. And, and, you know, you'd wander off as a child a little bit further and a little bit further into the park. Looking back, there's your parent there and you feel, okay, they're still there, they're still there. And you get to know that there's really always someone there for me as I go out into the world. That's why this really working towards secure attachment is important because going out into the world as an adult and being you know, successful in all ways, um, it's so much easier when you're coming from the platform of secure attachment. Um, so we learn, hopefully we learn that it's healthy to depend on others and it's healthy to be independent. So really you're, you're creating, you should be learning interdependence. That's the ideal. Um, but the good news with that is you only have to be a good enough parent 30% of the time. And I was so relieved to hear that because when I first started to learn this, oh God, that was so activating. Oh my God, what have I done to my kids? So. Um, then as you grow up and you're in relationship, your relationship behaviour is going to be that you're, you're quick to forgive and repair when there's an issue. Um, uh, you're comfortable with closeness and emotions. You clearly state your own needs. Sounds simple, right? But a lot of people have a problem with asking for what they need. And you're also really quite happy to meet somebody else's needs. And um, you're attuned to other people, uh, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend, you know, you pick up the vibe and you can go, oh, you know, are you okay? You know, um, whereas an avoidant might miss those cues and an anxious might be overly cued. 
right? But we'll get to that. So they, they, they in themselves feel grounded. So if you happen to have a bit of a, a moment before when we did that grounding exercise of feeling grounded, a securely attached person will feel that often, which is pretty cool. Um, but, and other people experience them as grounded as well. So we're going to do um, an exercise now and um, this is going to be another uh, sort of visualisation and then you'll just share with, so you'll just, the person next to you, have we got an even number, two, four, six, anybody done the count of how many are here? Okay, well, I'll, I'll pair up with somebody if we've got an uneven number, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, okay. So, once again, I'll just get you to, if you're comfortable, just to close your eyes. We've done it once, so your body's already familiar with breathing into your seat. Just taking a moment to come back to that feeling of groundedness and awareness of your body sitting in the chair. Awareness of your breath, breathing you, giving you life with every breath. And then as you settle into your body even more, I'd like you to think of someone who at any time in your life made you feel safe, secure, seen or heard. They were there authentically for you. They had your back and you felt their presence, you felt safe, even if it was just for a moment in time. It may be someone who's passed on, maybe someone who's no longer in your life for whatever circumstances, whatever reasons. It might be a stranger when you're in a time of need, it could be a pet could be a religious figure <clears throat> that's important to you or a mythical figure, a character from a book or movie. So just drawing that, just one person or animal to mind and really allow yourself to feel that feeling of safety in your body. Maybe you relax a little more. Your shoulders might drop down. And you might feel yourself arriving a little more deeply into your body. You might notice a sigh. 
It's a really simple and powerful way to tap into secure attachment. And just remembering, if sadness comes up as you're doing this exercise, because that person you're thinking of or animal you're thinking of isn't around anymore, it's okay. You can just breathe into that and just say a silent thank you. Allowing yourself to feel grateful for having given you this experience of safety. And then gently coming back into the space, opening your eyes and just turning to the person next to you and um, sharing just for a minute with, you know, this is a person I thought of. I'm so grateful for them. They made me feel safe because. Just something, a, a small thing that you want to share, if you feel to. <laughs> My bell. Okay. Um, it's always, you know, it seems a shame to break these things up, but we got some stuff to get through. So did, was everybody able to um, find somebody and then sh and share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you didn't, that's okay too. And we can. And, and by the way, at the end, if anything, if anyone has anything that's come up for them and they just wanted to um, have a chat with me, I'm hanging around for lunch, so I'm happy for that to happen. Um, okay. So. You know, sometimes for people, just doing that exercise is the first experience that they can remember of, of secure attachment. You know, you don't even know what it is if you don't, haven't had it, right? So um, it's, um, if you, you guys are in, you're a mentoring group, so just a simple exercise like this, you don't even have to label it as something, except just to bring someone into feeling grounded if they're a little bit hyped up. It's a good thing. To do so, um, now we're going to talk about anxious, or the other word for that is preoccupied, because as an anxiously attached person, you are rather preoccupied, generally with yourself. And um, so, uh, whereas there's, there, there's always a lot of downsides to the insecures, there's also the upside, and. Um, uh, and so um, I'll briefly uh, brush over those. So the anxiously attached person, they've got a warmth. They're genuinely interested, they're emotionally connected and they're tuned in to people. They'll pick up the vibe in their room. They're actually in a work situation, work scenario. They're the ones who can pick up the vibe of what's going on and they also have a good nose for deception and bullshit. So they're, they're good for that, absolutely. They're very caring and supportive. They're great friends to have. Um, how it would have developed, um, or a couple of scenarios of how you developed an anxiously attached system, is that you would have had supportive parents, um, but they were just not consistent enough. Maybe they had to work all the time, so um, they, they couldn't be around as much as perhaps they would have liked to have been around. Um, they, they may have been hot and cold in their parenting because they had a lot going on. Like, I don't know, I mean, I've got grown up kids, but there was so much going on in my own life when I was parenting. So you, you, it's, it's a big thing. You've got to parent these children and you've got your own stuff going on all the time as well. And um, 
So you may, you may have been a little too preoccupied. So you're there for a moment and then you're so busy and the child will come up and you say, I just, I can't deal with that right now. And so you've got this inconsistent, but too often like that, right? We don't have to be all the time there. Or the other scenario is you might have one parent who's highly available and another parent who is um, completely not available. So you've got these two ends of the spectrum. And, and so you're, you're hot and cold with two people. The unconscious fear um, is that of being abandoned. Yeah, because you're, they're there one minute, they're not there the next. They're there, they're not there. And so, so you, you're never sure. And it's very destabilising for a child. So, of course, then you grow up into an adult going into relationships and you bring all of that with you. And um, so what that means then in relationships, including work relationships, including friendships, you need a lot of reassurance. You need a lot of connection, a lot of closeness, a lot of approval, validation. You're great. Um, a lot of acceptance. Um, you really need consistency because that was the big missing element. Consistency of words, actions, emotional support. Um, because that means to me you're going to stick around. But whereas as a child, if you had had enough of that, you would have been okay with someone not being, you know, that consistent. Because you get it. You, you learn that people come and go. And, and you feel safe in that. But if you don't have that feeling, then you're going to be quite demanding of that in your relationship. So that can be a little bit hard for other people. Uh, so in a relationship, you can be clingy, needy, critical, possessive, people-pleasing, tend to make drama, yeah, because they're so focused on being safe. So I'm so focused on being safe. And um, also, I'm not sure if you're going to stick around. So if they create a drama, that's a way to keep you in. That's just one reason you do drama anyway. And yeah, high need for validation. I need you to tell me all the time. So um, they tend to overthink and overanalyze the meaning behind everything that you say. They, they are tuned in. They do tend to have a negative orientation to the tuning in that they do. Um, a typical belief is I can't be happy unless I'm in relationships. So they're not great at being on their own. Um, and... Mm, that's understandable because relationships let me know my value because I don't know my value without relationship, which has been unfortunate. So we're going to a quick corrective exercise. There are many, there's many strategies, many corrective exercises, but we're just doing one today. Um, so you're going to, again, just stick with the same person you, you started with now and acknowledge one thing. Oh, actually... Just in case, I should pass these around because I've written the exercises in these in case my instructions aren't clear or um, I say too many things so you can read it. What I'm going to have you do is to acknowledge to your listener one thing that you're really good at. Okay, because anxious, um, they, they don't see the good in themselves. They need, I need you to tell me that I'm good. So now you're going to own something that you're good at and uh, or something I really like about me you know for example I, I really like my care and my warmth and my thoughtfulness the person listening is going to be just looking at you with soft kind eyes and if you go how do you do that just have an intention of soft 
kind eyes, okay? Because they're the eyes of recept receiving somebody. <laughs> Staring eyes, yeah. <laughs> Soft, kind eyes. You know, it's part of, I know you're just doing active listening. So active listening is not just with your ears. Your whole body is engaged in communication. So soft, kind eyes as a listener. Um, if you can't think of anything positive, think of something that someone has said to you before. Oh, you know, what I really like about you, Beth, is. And so you can say, well, I can't think of anything right now because I'm not good at that, but my friends tell me. And I'm willing to own it right now. So, off you go. Everything clear? Yes, yes. Oh, just, well, it's more um, acknowledging one thing that you're good at or that you like about you. Yeah, just, just one thing. Yeah, exercise. Did I, oh good, I put a number there, yes. And just try and make it personal as well, not, you know, I'm good at work. Okay, just finishing up if I hopefully, everybody got enough time, yeah, <laughs> cheers. Um, yeah, and, and with things like that, it's just good to notice, you know, how comfortable am I? And if you're not comfortable, that's okay. Just be uncomfortable, you know? Just noticing those things about yourself where I'm not really very comfortable with owning things about me. And notice that. And maybe you could just even make a little practice of this for yourself. Like, uh, I, I like this about me. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I grew up, it was if you thought, if you were to say, I'm really good at this, you know, you were told you were boasting. And, um, you know, it's a bit of a shame in a way because, yeah, sure, there's a line that you can cross where you become grandiose as, as a child and you probably need to be sort of well, settled down a little bit. But overall, to, as a practice of, of you know, um, this is me and this is what I'm good at, it, it's, it's, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. One, you know, we've all got places we shine in. And so if we can own it, we can, we'll share it more easily, more readily, more generously. Okay. Any questions about this exercise or what we just yeah, talked just, about? Just fundamentally, when you describe, you're picking out some of the points, but often people have got a mixture of all of them. And so it's not... When you say something or other, oh, that's, I've got to be in that category, or oh, maybe that's one of the things in that. With the with, with the attachment styles, you mean? With the, the, oh, no, the, just, just the, whether you sit in one or another, you mm. never always and totally, well, a few people are, but... You'll have a dominant one, you're right, um, but you can move, and it it's, depends on the situation you're with and the people that you're with. So you'll, you'll hear things in here and go, oh, yeah, but because now we're going to do avoidant and you go, oh, I recognise some of that, but I also recognise some of the anxious because depending on situations and people you've been with and how you are at the time. So, yes, thanks, Cole. Good point. Anyone else? Anything? Okay. We'll dive into the avoidant or, you know, other why it's called dismissive, because it can feel like that with an avoidant. <laughs> you can feel very dismissed.
Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.